Hello, welcome back to Jumble. I actually have totally lost track of what number this is, but I'll look afterwards and still number it correctly when I post it. Uh, but today we're going to do North Carolina basketball. We're, I guess, the first game that actually counts is November 9th, so pretty close to the season. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be a very interesting year, to say the least, for Carolina basketball. There's a lot of variables and a lot of new things, and Today we've got 12 topics that we're going to hit for Carolina. I think 10 questions and two just conversations. But the first thing that seems the most relevant for Carolina basketball is the fact that Roy Williams is no longer our coach. And now it's Hubert Davis who's been the assistant for a couple years. So I'll pass Sir's doing this one with me, so I'll pass him the phone. What do you think about Hubert Davis or your expectations or how you think he's going to do this year, what you expect to see from him? Well, Hubert Davis, obviously a Carolina alum, and one of the things that first caught my attention was, you know, letting go Steve Robinson, longtime Roy Williams assistant, and it brought me back memories to when Matt Doherty came in and got rid of Phil, the biggest thing, getting rid of Phil Ford, a legend at Carolina, and people were just all to pieces, and me being one of them as well. And obviously, we've seen how that worked out. So that was my first thought was actually, you know, the the very first thought of, hey, it's Hubert Davis. I'm like, well, okay. But then he gets rid of the uh, Steve Robinson and Roy staff and brings in his own. Then immediately after that first thought of, oh, goodness, it was actually more excitement because in – Talking with a lot of the recruits, a big thing is is how the entire staff is a Carolina alumni, and that's I don't know that there's any other college team, possibly Duke, maybe I'm I'm not quite sure about from top to bottom, but the entire staff, top to bottom, is Carolina alum, and that is that's great. I I love that. It's all about family. Uh, I think with Hubert Davis, coaching-wise, I think attitude will reflect leadership, and his attitude seems to be absolutely tremendous, just totally upbeat. I think he's at an age where he's still kind of got a little old school, which me being almost 50 years old is you know still kind of like the old school, but yet he still played in the NBA himself, still fairly young. And I think as long as he is willing to adapt to the changes that college basketball has has made, which uh, my first and foremost thing is going to be, is he going to defend the three? Is he going to defend the three? It's been notorious. And we have finally got some players that can play defense. So I'm really excited about it. I think he's, And I think he's going to do very well. The thing, Hubert Davis, and I wasn't happy about the hire initially, but I'm going to try to give him at least two years to make it his own system and before I either praise him or hate his guts. But um, as far as the you know the very first thing he did, making the staff his own, it, it is a bit intimidating at first when you see him coming in and making the first thing he does is getting rid of a longtime staff member that Roy seemed to have a lot of confidence in. And 
I mean, Roy Roy kept the same staff around for a while. You saw some interchange, and I think Sean May is no longer there, and he helped out for only a couple years. But um, I'm the more I think about it, I'm glad that he's comfortable enough to do that. You know, when you step in, and he's been there for a while, but of course he's been an assistant coach. Um, it's good to see that he's comfortable. I feel like it can be very intimidating to come into a blue blood school and a top ten college basketball program of all time, and just you know, here's the keys. You know, it's it's totally up to you to coach this team and make it your own and especially following somebody like Roy Williams is also very intimidating yeah you look at the last couple years and say I don't know about that the last couple years of Roy ain't been great but the look at the 10 or this the decade before that that was a great decade of Roy Williams 2016 to 2000 well I will say 2005 we'll give him an extra year there Uh, Roy Williams has been great so that's a really tough position to feel and I'm glad to see that he's comfortable enough to make his own decisions and do things that he thinks are going to benefit the team and I think he's stepping into a good position because the team is not terrible a lot of the times when a coach which Roy did not get fired he retired but a lot of the times when you see a new head coach get implemented it's because the former coach was fired and they're stepping into a dumpster fire with not great players and not great recruits and not a great culture as opposed to Hubert, who's stepping into a great culture with an above-average team, in my opinion. And I think he has all the tools to be successful, so it's not as much pressure this year. I feel like Carolina, much as people have been talking about the Lakers over the past couple of years, is a really win-now, not organization because it's not professional, but a really win-now program. They're not, let's get this guy as a freshman, develop him, as they do do that, but at the same time they're developing these freshmen, they want to win now. So it's going to be tough because I – I think he is going to do well this year, but if he doesn't, I feel like a lot of Carolina fans are going to want his head in the first day or first season, and that shouldn't happen. I think they should give him a couple of years, but I think he'll do okay. I don't expect anything phenomenal from this team, but I think they should be an above-average team who makes the NCAA tournament and makes a push. Um, So now on to the questions. That was really just a topic to talk about. Um, The first thing is who we think the best player right now is going into the season. And... Right now, I would have to say, based off last year, it's probably Baycott, Armando Baycott. He's he's a big dude, for one, and not even height-wise. He is a strong guy. And a lot of the games last year that were close, you would look at and see, hmm, Baycott's got 20 and 15. And he carried a lot of those close wins and close losses, a lot of close losses, unfortunately. But it seems like a lot of the offense ran through him last year when – the guards were having trouble getting their shot off, which unfortunately was a massive problem last year. It seemed to just transition to throw the ball into Baycott, let him do what he's going to do, and anytime you saw Baycott out of the game or in foul trouble, the team struggled really heavily. And I hope we can get that same production for him this year. I'm afraid there is a possibility, like we see in the NBA a lot of the times, you can be a decent player on a really bad team and put up 25 points. I hope that's not Baycott because last year's team was not good and he had great numbers, so I hope he's actually a good player and not just a decent player on a very bad team of last year's UNC basketball. But as of right now, I'd have to say he's the best player. Who do you think? I would have to agree at this point. Uh, definitely as far as expectations, it, you would have to say Baycott just based on you know last year's stats and who's coming back and what they did. But definitely, I would definitely say, and this is the system that pretty much made Roy decide, hey, it's time for me to go. 
is you look back to every championship team we've had, it's always been an inside game. You know, we had Meeks and Hicks. You know, we had Sean May. I mean, it's always – and and obviously Tyler Hansberg. I mean, we've always had that guy. And it seems like things have shifted in college basketball, which I've told James for years and years, I hate the three-point shot. Uh, it's just totally changed. And it's not that I hate it in itself. I hate the way – it's people who want to dunk or shoot threes, but not everybody can dunk. So, but anybody can can throw up a three, and that's where that's what everybody wants to do. And I definitely agree that if he is our best player this year, then I don't think that will be a good sign. I, I think in order for us to be successful, which I'm pretty sure that's a topic coming up, so. Well, I'll just jump ahead. I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead of James here because he wants to start off with the question, but I'm going to just lean right in. That is the next one, is who do we think needs to be the best player for the team to be successful? And I believe Baycott's going to be Baycott. But for the team to be successful, it's going to have to be guard play. It's going to have to be even maybe – Small forward, uh, big guard in the in the three position, I, I think. But I do believe, and it's hard to put. I, I think Love is going to hopefully be the player he was expected to be last year. I think this year he's going to be that player. And uh, R.J. Davis, I, you know, I think uh, he's going to. Yeah, you know, it was such an embarrassment last year for them two guys. And uh, I believe that they have really – I've watched a lot of film on their workout ses- sessions. So and I'm, I'm going to say love, uh, but as in any sport, it's a team effort. It's going to take more than just one or two players being, you know, for us to be great. But as far as who I think needs to be the best player for us to be successful, are your point guard. So I'm going to say love. I think it has to be Caleb Love. I mean, not only uh, – a lot of people call Carolina point guard university. If you go back, you know, we've had a lot of great big men too, but look through the point guard history as well. We have Raymond Felton, Ty Lawson, Joel Berry, Marcus Page, Kendall Marshall. In a lot of successful Carolina teams, the point guard has been not necessarily the best player, but the most consistent player who's going to not make stupid mistakes, make a shot, and just orchestrate the offense. And I don't really think that's what Caleb Love's game is, honestly. I don't think he's a guy that just get the ball up the court, start the offense. He he wants to score, and that's fine. I think that's what Caleb Love needs to do. He was supposed to be the guy last year, and it, it's so weird because I always thought it was pressure that was getting to him, but he had two great games last year, and it was the two biggest games of the season. They were both against Duke. He had 20, 25-point games against Duke every time, and he had great shooting percentages. And he'd be like, all right, he's finally kicking it on. Then they go play Syracuse, and, I mean, Buddy Bayheim destroyed him every time. He, he's got great physical abilities. He's a really good size for a point guard. He's obviously – everybody knows that he's athletic. Um, he's got to shoot the ball better. It's as simple as that. He has to shoot the ball better. He did not shoot the ball well last year. And that hurt us when he did shoot the ball well last year. I bet I bet if you looked and saw games where he just shot 35% from three in a game, 
I would bet you, and I don't know this, and somebody can look it up and test me on it, I bet you we won at least 90% of those games that he shot 35% from three and 50 from the field. I bet we won about 90% of those games. When he was on, we were doing great. Then he was off, we didn't have a point guard, and we struggled because Roy notoriously relies really heavily on our point guard to get offense going. You have to have a good point guard just to get it to a big man. I mean, even in those years like where we had Hansborough, somebody's got to give Hansborough the ball. Hansborough's not going to bring it up. So I, I think it's has to be Caleb Love for this team to be great. I think we can still be really good if Caleb Love isn't great. But in order for this team to be like a Elite Eight, Final Four, or even championship team, got to be Caleb Love. Has to be. He's got to take a step. Uh, number four, X-Factor player. If you're not familiar with the term, this is the way I describe it. If this player were to score 10 to 15 points, that's a game you're probably going to win. Like, almost 100% of the time, if that player does that. And I have two answers for this. Um, First, R.J. Davis. So I don't think R.J. Davis is going to start. He's a small guard. Um, He's I think he's six foot tall, which it's weird to say that that's small, but in basketball terms, I guess it is. I expect this guy, and this this is just me, he may not play this role at all. I expect this to be a guy when, you know, the team is looking lethargic, or like it's behind, or the pace isn't getting pushed as much as it needs to be. I think this is a guy you put in the game and say, RJ, go score. I don't think you expect him to run an offense. I don't think you expect him to be a great defensive stopper. I think this is a guy you put in the game when your scoring is not great, the team's looking like it's running at a poor pace, and you just say, RJ, I need you to score. Go in the game. Get love. He's not doing what he needs to do. I need points. So that's what I think from RJ. So I think he could definitely be an X factor there. And then my other one was another X factor from last year, and I think he's still an X factor even this year. And I have Kerwin Walton. Kerwin Walton last year, and I cannot stress this enough, was our only good shooter. I said only one. Statistically and with the eye only good shooter. And it was the same way last year. Any game last year where Kerwin Walton put up about 15, we pretty much won. I still remember the first game when Walton hadn't got any minutes all year, but the team sucks so bad. Roy's just like, all right, let's see who's going to play for us. And he put Kerwin Walton in. Kerwin Walton hit four threes in three minutes. And unfortunately, it was so late in the second half when Roy decided to do that. We did still lose that game, but then you start seeing Walton get some minutes. Then later on, you see him start. And by no means was the team great when that happened because it was just too late at that point. But the team performed so much better with Carl Walton shooting threes and just having that threat because the problem with Carolina last year was, you know, you look at some of the lineups, they go, okay, Caleb Love can't shoot, RJ Davis can't shoot, Leaky Black can't shoot, and then our power forwards and our centers usually can't shoot. So you just pack the paint, and now everything's slowed down. But when Carl Walton's out there, you can't leave Carl Walton because he's going to knock it down. So I think those are our two X factors for this year. I think any night these guys – Give us 10, 15, just one of them we're probably going to win. But if both these guys are putting up 15 points a game, it's going to give us a really good chance to win a lot of basketball games. Okay, this is a, for me, kind of a hard question to answer, only because we don't know what to expect from Hubert Davis. You know, what what offense is he going to be running? How is he going to stay? Is it going to be the exact same? You know, is the point you know, just like I said? It is. Is it still going to be point guard university, or is he going to change? Is it going to you know? Is it going to be something different? But the first name I did write down was R.J. Davis, uh, because saying expecting that Love plays 
to his capability. Baycott plays to his capability. You you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Then you always need that third person to, to come in, give you points. And he's who I first wrote down. But this, like I said, for me, this was hard. We don't know uh, with the transfer. The transfer for Porter has really changed this game so much this year. So, and we've got two transfer guys that can really be X factors in this, and Dawson Garcia and Brady Manning. So, if Garcia, I was so excited about just because what he done against the Marquette game, he killed us. I mean, he he just destroyed us, and I thought, golly, we're getting this guy. It was just great. And then I watched the blue-white game, and it was like, it don't even look like the same guy in that mark. But, you know, it it was a blue-white game. Maybe he was just, you know, a little low-keyed. Brady Manick on the – uh, talk to every player. I've watched all questions and answer things that they've done with each and every player. They all say Manic never misses a mid-range jumper. He is just automatic. So I believe those three guys are, you know, can be that X factor player. Now again, I'm going to skip ahead and go into my most improved. And I'm hoping, and I'm only skipping this too because of Davis being my number one X Factor player. He's also what I'm hoping to be most improved. I told James last year that he was going to be a sleeper. And, you know, Love was getting all this attention. And, you know, talking about Baycott, uh, Garrison Brooks is going to be AC. I said, this guy's getting overlooked. And he was a pro- prolific scorer in high school. I said, he's going to come in and score. And he didn't. I, I, I honestly believe not having fans there, not having that energy, I really believe that played a huge part in Love and Davis underperforming. But but for us to be successful, and he's got to be the most improved for sure. I've got I've got two most improves. R.J. Davis, I've got two, and I'll – I think these are pretty clear cut, so I'll explain them relatively briefly as I will my next this one and the next question actually. Uh it has to be RJ Davis. And the difference I've got RJ Davis and I also have Caleb Love. The difference with them two is I think a lot of people anticipate Caleb Love's gonna improve. I think if you were to ask somebody that's just kind of a casual fan, they would probably say Caleb Love, because everybody anticipates him making that step because he did have a couple games where he looks good. I think the difference between these two players is Caleb Love is gonna go from being okay to being really good and rj davis is going to go from being absolute and i cannot stress this enough absolutely horrible i mean atrocious to good he was awful last year rj davis could not hit the broadside of a barn i don't think he could have thrown a bb in an ocean it was terrible i've i mean i won't say never but it's not often I've seen a sh- player shoot that bad for a whole season. I mean, I've seen players have off games, and it happens to everybody. But he was bad the whole year. I mean, it was a shame. I was so distraught by how he played last year. And I just – I think in order for him to even be a rotational player, he's got to improve. Because if he plays like he does last year, I think he's going to get buried on the bench, and rightfully so, because that was a disgrace. And then Caleb Love just like, – I think we already hit that as well, like with the third question. I mean, who's has to improve? 
or who needs to be the best player to improve. I think Caleb Love's pretty self-explanatory. And the reason I'll hit my next question briefly, which is who is the best offensive player, because it's, again, it's Caleb Love. I just think it has to be Caleb Love. I don't think there's any other choice. I feel like, again, in order for us to be good, in order for us to be able to hit consistent perimeter jump shots, for us to consistently have a good offense, it's got to be Caleb Love. He has to run the offense, he's got to make shots, and he's going to be athletic, and he's going to go down there, he's going to dunk stuff, and he's going to be a spark plug for us. I feel like that's really self-explanatory, so I, I just from what I've already said, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but I think Caleb Love should be and will be our best offensive player. It's weird listening to James. It's almost like he's in my head with my thoughts, stealing, stealing what I was going to say before I get to say it, because I, he described that perfect with Love as far as how I felt about that, the reason I didn't say him as most improved, I think people just expect it. So it's 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 weird listening to him talk, but we're definitely going to have a, a couple of disagreements at the end of these questions for sure. But we're we're right on track to this point. Uh, best offensive player, the first name, of course, I couldn't put just one, but the first one I put was was Caleb Love, and uh, you know. What we need and what I expect, you know, might, you know, could vary at different times, but I do believe love really needs to be being, you know, assuming that our system is going to be very similar to what it has been in years past. Uh, it also, I mean, Baycott, I, I do expect him to have good numbers. And I would say a sleeper offensive player only because I watched so many of his games last year. Brady Manick is just – he has a stroke. And it's really going to depend on what offense we run. I mean, that's – on who, you know, who's it going to be set up for? Manick has a – because he don't – he literally – he had – at uh, when he was playing for Oklahoma, uh, he uh, – it was the same way. He just rarely missed. So I do believe there, you know, depending on what offense we run, it could be him. But, you know, if I had to put a single person, it would be Love. So jumping ahead to the best defense, uh, I've got two for that because you think, you know, you can't have one. You know, in a lot of situations, Leaky Black could probably guard one through, you know, I don't think I don't think he could, you know, obviously five, but you're not going to find, you know, anybody that can really do that. But Leaky Black, you know, is very versatile as far as who he can guard defensively. But I have Justin McCoy wrote down in all these talks with each and every player where they've done a Q and A. Every single one of them. The one, there's only one person that each player, uh, when asked certain questions, that one player's name come up in every single Q&A from every player, and that's Justin McCoy. And they just talk about what a ball of fire, the, the defensive intensity that he brings. And, I, you know, being that he is a, a big guy, uh, you know, he's playing a forward. I think, you know, defensively all around, he will be the best. But I do think that Anthony Harris does bring it, also brings that intensity on the defensive end. But of course, it's on the, uh, on the guard play, which is very important too, putting pressure on the ball. So, 
there again, best defense, I will say, as a whole, Justin McCoy. But there, Anthony Harris, I do believe, is going to be an impact player on defense as well. I didn't think uh, – I thought Anthony Harris would be somebody I had on one of my lists that you didn't even mention. But it's not for this category, but I do have him. I think I might have another. I don't have Brady Manick. I didn't have him for anything, honestly, which may be good because of the ninth question. But um, best defense, and I'll, I'll just be honest, it's like Sir said, this isn't who I would have picked for best defensively. But the thing is, when you listen to these interviews and every single player, not just you know the majority, but I mean literally every player, when asked who's you know been great defensively, says Justin McCoy, who am I to come up here and say, no, Justin McCoy is not good defensively? That's what every person on the team says. I mean, that's all the explanation I have for that. That's I'm not going to argue with the team. The team sees this guy in practice every day. They see what he's capable of, and they see what he's going to be able to do on the defensive side of the ball. If all players on the Carolina roster are telling me that Justin McCoy is the best defensive player. I'm not going to argue. I put Justin McCoy simply for that reason. I've not seen much of his defensive highlights. I've seen a lot of what he can do on the offensive side of the ball, maybe a few defensive plays, but simple as that. If the whole team says Justin McCoy is the best defensive player, then I just I agree. I'll go with Justin McCoy. So next we have wild card, and this is more – it's similar to X-Factor, but it's kind of guys that you never know exactly what you're going to get from them, and it could be different every night and just – you never know what they're going to do. That's that's the best way I know how to explain it. So I have actually three guys for this. Um, for one, Justin McCoy. I think Justin McCoy some nights is going to not score a lot and be great defensively. I think there's some nights where Justin McCoy is going to have 10 or 12 points, hit some mid-range jump shots, show some nice post presence, and maybe even some perimeter presence. I think he's a guy that's capable of shooting a three if need be. I'd rather it not be, but if he has to, whatever. Um, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of cons- consistent play from him as far as his level of play. But I think what he does on a night-to-night basis could be very, very different. Um, secondly, and making the list almost in every category, R.J. Davis. And I, I mean his in a, less of a bad way, to be honest. He was so inconsistent last year. I just don't believe in R.J. Davis' consistency. I think we're going to see him some games. I don't know if six-man of the year is in a – I know it is in the NBA. I don't know if it is in college. I think there's going to be some nights where R.J. Davis comes out and looks like he could be a six-man of the year, scoring 15, 20 points like that. And then I think there's going to be other nights where R.J. Davis comes out and we question why he's on the team. And I, I just think that's who R.J. Davis is. I don't love it. I'm going to love him when he's scoring those. And I do expect him to have some 20-point games. I think he's going to have some really good games this season. But I also anticipate some really, really, really bad ones. So that's why I have him as a wild card. Then my other wild card, and I think this is a player a lot of people forget about, and I do understand why, but this is where I had Anthony Harris. He just, I don't know how much he's going to play. I really don't. Um, In the few games, like, what, three games that he played last year and he came in, he was a spark of energy. He got the ball down the court. He played great defense, great uh, positioning on the ball and in defense, even in zones. And, you know, he looked like a capable shooter to me. It looked like when Anthony Harris came in the game, the team kind of pepped up a little bit, sparked up. And that really, I just have I don't know how much he's going to play because uh, we have a lot of guards. We have, I mean, I, I've got the roster here. We have Anthony Harris, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, DeMarco Dunn, Creighton Lebo, Puff Johnson, and Kerwin Walton. I just don't really know where Hubert Davis is going to find those minutes for Anthony Harris, and that's even assuming he's healthy. I mean, so far in Anthony Harris, even his high school career and his college career, I have nothing to believe that he can stay healthy for a whole year. I really hope he can because I like Anthony Harris, and he's one of my favorite players on this team. He's not my favorite player, but he's up there. 
I hope he can stay healthy and make a great impact on this team. But the, honestly, the biggest thing for Anthony Harris is just health. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to be good. If not, then he doesn't even really have the opportunity. So I've, that's my last one for wild card. Okay, here's where we're going to differ a little bit. And by the way, uh, I will throw this in real quick. I did this in another episode, me and James done. But anybody that's been listening will know this. But if there is any new listeners out there uh, – James calls me sir. I am James's father. So just to clarify that, if you're wondering who's why does he who's sir? So anyway, I'm James's dad. But so wild card surprise. All right, being hopefully optimistic when we think of the players we had last year and Garcia, Manic. You know, I'm hoping that they're going to do what they're expected to do, what they should do. So when I go with a wild card surprise, I'm, I'm going to go with somebody that we're not thinking of, that we don't, you know, the unknown. That being said, I'm going to go with our freshman, uh, Dontre Styles and uh, Dominique Dunn, uh, or DeMarco Dunn, I'm sorry. Uh, we don't know how much playing time they're going to get. I know Dontre Styles can shoot the basket. He can shoot. He just like with Manic, he hits that mid range jumper consistently. Uh, Dunn, defensive, good defensive. He's good at cutting the basket. He reminds me, no relation, I wouldn't think of. Uh, well, no, I'm going to take that back. I was going to compare him to. Uh, a Villanova guy, but I'm going to compare him to Duhon of Duke that played several years ago, Chris Duhon. Uh, he reminds me of him, you know, the potential, you know, to, to score 20 a game, but on a consistent basis, he's, he's the, you know, distributing the ball, playing good, uh, you know, great defense. But also, besides the freshman, if we we're going to go to somebody that was on the team last year, and this is just so – this would be a great wild card because it is so unknown, is Puff Johnson. You know, here he was hurt last year. He started off – didn't play in the blue and white game for the same injury from last year, a toe. And I'm thinking, what? why is he still – this is still an issue. But we, we look at Cameron, his brother, and what he done, and nobody knew his name until his last year at Pittsburgh. And then, of course, then he played. So, you know, his first two years there, you didn't know, nobody knew who he was. So you're kind of hoping that that's going to be the same with uh, his brother. And he's a much bigger guy than what uh, his brother was starting off. So I think our freshman and – and Puff Johnson was definitely could be a huge, as he says, X factor wild card surprise. I'm going to skip over James this one other time and go into number nine only because I know he's. This is where we're going to disagree with, and he's he's not going to probably like my answer, but uh, he's got for the next one uh, the most who you could be the most disappointing. So in order to be disappointing, in my opinion, it's got to be what they did last year or the expectations. And uh, there again, I've got two players wrote down, but my first one I've got is Kerwin Walton. And the reason I put him is last year he was such a surprise. I mean, the last recruit we got, the lowest recruit, and – 
the thing with Ian, and he was just a pleasant. He was just nobody expected that. He he knocked down the shots consistently. But this year, I think uh, other teams are going to be more aware of him. And I think with this uh, new coach, and you know, and a new system, uh, hoping that Davis and Love, Manic, you know, all these guys perform well, I, I think he may not. And even in the blue and white game, he hit one three. So I'm thinking, you know, that he definitely has a possibility of being uh, a disappointment. But also Garcia. And that's maybe because of what my expectations was of when we first he first committed, you know, and I was like, yeah, so excited. But then after seeing that blue white game, I I was I'm already disappointed with him. But you know, maybe it was because it was against you know his own players. He was holding back. So as far as uh, my answer to that, definitely would be Walton and Garcia. Okay, I'll hit on two players you talked about. Uh, because there's one I really haven't mentioned that much, and that would be DeMarco Dunn. I really thought about putting him for a wild card, but it, it's kind of like I talked about with Anthony Harris. I really don't know what kind of playing time he's going to get. Um, I, I think he's going to be a four-year guy, personally. He may not be. I, I think DeMarco Dunn's a four-year or at least a three-year and I think he's going to be really good in his Carolina career, but probably not this year to me. But I do really like DeMarco Dunn. And then as far as Walton, I think a lot of his success is going to depend on Hubert Davis. And like Sirs mentioned several times, what kind of offense we run. <laughs> because if he's not – because Carl and Walton cannot create his own shot. He, he can't. He's like a um, – I'm trying to think of a good comparison, like NBA comparison. Uh, like a Duncan Robinson that plays for the Heat. Duncan Robinson cannot create his own shot. But when they draw a play for Duncan Robinson and they get him an open three, most of the time he knocks it down. And I think that's Kerwin Walton. I mean, of course, it's a much greater version, but I think that's what kind of player he is. So I, I think his success honestly depends so much on what kind of offense Hubert runs. Uh, but my disappointments are really based on players we've had in the past. And one of these two players, is uh, you've mentioned him like once, but honestly, somebody I think we've both totally forgotten about. Um, firstly, for my disappointment, I have Leaky Black. <laughs> uh, oh, definitely should have said Leaky Black because he's yeah, already been a disappointment. Yeah, I, so two reasons. Uh, one, just because I don't think he's very good. I mean, that's that's this is the biggest thing. Well, he's a starter, and he's not very good. So, therefore, I'm already disappointed in him with his Carolina career to this point. Secondly, a player that I've heard a lot of people – uh, say he resembles and kind of compared him to was Theo Pinson. And I, first and foremost, I miss Theo Pinson. <laughs> I really do. I was so hard on him and his time at Carolina. And if you ever hear this, Theo, I'm so sorry because I really wish you were still on the team if that was somehow possible. But the thing that Theo Pinson did between his junior year and his senior year, Freshman through junior Theo could not hit the broadside of a barn, like I've said for RJ a couple of times. He was a terrible shooter. Going into his senior year, we saw Theo Pinson knock down a lot of threes. Not a lot, but a several. And there was even, I can't remember what game it was because it's been so long at this point, but there was one game we were down three with a couple seconds to go. We needed a game time three. So in your mind, it's like, okay, Joel Berry's going to shoot it. And Theo shot it, and he actually hit it. So I, I think with 
especially if he gets that narrative of comparison because his his career is very similar to Theo's so far. You know, freshman through junior year, just being a defensive guy. And, you know, Theo played some role in the offense because he was so athletic in his junior year uh, to senior year being a vital part of the offense. And I just don't think Leaky Black's going to do that. I mean, obviously he's a good basketball player because he's on a scholarship at a Blue Blood school. So it's hard to say that he's not good, but relatively speaking to where he's playing basketball, I don't think he's very good. So Leaky Black first. Secondly, uh, I've got Puff Johnson. So Puff Johnson may not even touch the floor. (laughs) Honestly, like there's a really good chance he doesn't play at all this year. Um, For one, with the injury, and for two, just his performance to this point in his UNC career. But I think the reason you could consider Puff a disappointment is because you look at his brother, and it's not his fault, but you look at how great Cam was for us, and, you know, if you watch the NBA being a vital part of that Suns, you know, team that made it to the finals, and then you look at Puff Johnson, who's 6'8", you know, that guy's brother, who was, I, you know, it's hard to say he's a Carolina legend or anything like that because, for one, he wasn't that good. I mean, he was really good, but he's not Michael Jordan. And he wasn't there for that long, but he was a vital part of what Carolina did while he was there. And Puff Johnson just isn't that to me. So I, I've got Puff being a disappointment simply because he's going to be compared to his brother. If he was anyone else and he was just another walk-on who was Puff uh, McKinney, Nobody would care, but because it's Puff Johnson, it's going to be a problem, potentially. Uh, next, I have best lineup. Uh, so, the, essentially, the starting five that, that yeah, that's after, because there's 12. I got that at 11. Uh, best lineup. So, this just being the players, the best five players to put on the court at once, and I'll Keep this one pretty brief because, I mean, if I talk about all five of these players I have on the list, it'll take forever. Um, best lineup. Um, Caleb Love's got to be the one. I don't think there's any debate for that. Caleb Love is our starting point guard pretty much, period. I feel like the lineup a lot of the way, in a lot of ways is built to kind of accommodate for his needs. Uh, number two, I want a shooter. I want somebody that's going to knock down threes because we, again, did not have that last year except for one player, and that one player is the player that I have here, Kerwin Walton. Now, to this this third one, and I, I cannot even stress how much I hate putting him in this starting lineup, but Kerwin Walton can't play defense, <laughs> so somebody's got to offset the fact that he is so terrible defensively, and I guess that's Leaky Black, and another reason that I have Leaky Black in the starting lineup is because Leaky Black is going to be in the actual starting lineup, so I guess I'm trying to just go ahead and cope with it already because I don't like it, so I'm just get, getting used to it, I, I guess, so he's the three. And I want so I want a big stinking lineup because Carl Walton's a big shooting guard, and Leaky Black's a big, he's, well, he's an average, but I want a big lineup. I want to get back to having those great post players. So I'm actually moving Armando Baycott down to the four. I want him to run the four because he's gonna be he's gonna have a size advantage and a weight advantage and a strength advantage on a lot of guys he's gonna match up with that four position. So I think that gives him an opportunity to do really well. And he has disappointed me so far, but I still believe in him for now. And I want Dawson Garcia at the five. I think he's got an opportunity to be a really good shot blocker, intimidate a lot of shots, and if you double down on Baycott. Garcia is right there. He's just as big. I don't think he's quite as strong, but he's just as big. So I think that's a five that could give us a lot of good looks and perf- perform really successfully. 
Okay, so to back up and just touch on the disappointment player, the reason I didn't say Leaky Lack because he's already a disappointment. I mean, the way I took that question was, you know, who might – we already know he's been a, a total disappointment since he's been there. So that being said, that's the main reason I've not mentioned his name because it's not been worth mentioning. So – my starting five is going to be different because I'm always going to say, and not that this is also always true all the time, but I want my five best players on the court. And in my opinion, the two best guards we got is Love and Davis. So I want them, uh, uh, you know, whether Davis is the one, and I think it's going to work better as him as a one, Love as a two. And but that's our two best guards, so I want them on the floor. Uh, down low, hands down, Baycott and Brady Manick for sure, because uh, you know Baycott obviously has already proved himself. We know what he can do. I think Manick has. Obviously, it was with another team, but we need what Carolina needed last year so bad was somebody who could hit an outside shot. Manick can do that, and will do that. So that leaves, you know, and I'm a lot like James that I think Black's going to be in that lineup just because, you know, Roy liked him for whatever reason, just like he liked Garrison Brooks when Garrison Brooks shouldn't have been in. So it's probably going to be Black and at the three and Manic and Baycott at the four and five, but – as far as my starting, this is this is who I want to start. I want it to be Garcia, Baycott, and Manic. I think McCoy could could work his way in there just for defensive purposes. He's definitely not a scorer. He averaged like one or one point something points per game last year. So he's not in you know not there for scoring. But you know if, if I have to say five, Love Davis, uh, Garcia, Baycott, and Manic. Uh, next is probably the most simple of questions that will need very little elaboration, although we'll still provide it. Uh, it's just a favorite player. I mean, it's like a, this is who I and Sir like best on the team. So my answer for this is Kerwin Walton. I, you know, we if you've listened to this for a while, episode 17, we did our top 15 favorite Carolina players. And if we ever were to do that again in the future, Kerwin Walton will make that for me. I really like Kerwin Walton. He, I'm not saying he'll be top five, but he'll be in the top 15, probably around 10. But I, I like Kerwin. You know, it was just so pleasant last year after, you know, like 10 games of sucking, like bad. <laughs> and then Kerwin Walton coming in and for five or 10 games, giving us a little bit of hope. I mean, it wasn't nothing crazy, but just to finally be like, finally, somebody can hit a three. It was just pleasant, and I associate good memories with Kerwin Walton because every time he would come in the game, he'd hit a three. And I was like, finally, somebody played him. And after three or four games, that he got to start. So, like I said, this doesn't need that much elaboration. It's just, that's what it is. He's my favorite player. I like Kerwin Walton. I like what he brings to the table. And he's my favorite player on the team, Kerwin Walton. This is actually not as simple for me to answer, you know, favorite player, because, you know, last year, again, was disappointing, and nobody stood out. 
And, you know, for me to be have a favorite player, it's got to be somebody that's, you know, really good. And, of course, uh, for me, you know, Baycott, I, I really like him just because he's just, he's just you know, in a way, he's, he's really immature, which he is, you know, you watch his interviews, it's just kind of funny how, but, you know, people my age, you forget, these are kids, you know, they're kids. And, you know, and I do really like Baycott, but, I, I study so much of these guys, you know, when they're in high school watching their mixtapes and this and that. And if I would have picked one last year, I would have said R.J. Davis because, you know, I watched a lot of his tape. I, he was my dark horse. I told James, watch him, watch him, watch, see what he does. He's going to show. He, you'll see. And I, I got pie in my face because he, he didn't. He was terrible. But I'm going to go and say R.J. Davis because I think he's, you know, he's, he, I picked him as most improved, you know, wild card. I, you know, I've mentioned his name two or three times because I'm going to put everything, all the confidence and all everything that I had put in him last year, which came back to just be thrown in my face, I'm going to put right back into him this year. I think he's going to be that player. This year that he should have been like you know, I'm I'm gonna say him. I'm gonna he's gonna I I think he's gonna be I think Love's gonna be Love. Baycott's gonna be Baycott. Manic's gonna be Manic. And, and you know, and Brady Manic could actually be that player, but where he's not been in a Carolina uniform as of yet, I think he's gonna be every. I think he is gonna be the player that that night in night out. He's going to give you double – he's going to score double figures every game, I, I, you know, whether it be 10 or whether it be 20. I, I think he is going to be our most consistent player just because uh, he just, he's just unreal. His shot, it just – like I said, he rarely misses. So I'm going to go with uh, R.J. Davis. Okay. And to conclude things with our 12th and final topic – we just have our record and our expectations for the year. So there's 31 games. So I'm going to tell you our record prediction and then how far I think we're going to make it in the NCAA tournament. Um, as far as our record predictions, I I really don't know if this is wishful thinking or not. But I'm going to go 23-8. and um, I, th- I think we're going to lose two non-conference games, and I think we're going to lose six regular season games. I think we'll probably split with Duke, State, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Syracuse. Um, now, you look at those teams that I just said, and you might say, well, five of those teams have really good histories. Why in the Haiti do you think you're going to lose to five of those and then pick Syracuse? Um, that would be because Buddy Beheim, uh, notoriously, and this may change and I really hope it changes, Roy Williams and Carolina do not defend the three-point shot. They just don't, and it's it kills you when you go to a team and sh- play a guy who shoots 90% of his shots from the three-point line. Buddy Beheim torched us last year bad. <laughs> I think we split with them last year, but I he had dang near 30 both games. I think it's going to be the same thing this year. He I, I can't he killed us last year. So if Hubert Davis is anything like Roy and we're just, you know, leaving the three-point line for anybody to do whatever the heck they want, 
Syracuse is going to give us some real problems because they have shooters, and Buddy Bayheim is, and he takes a lot of crap because his dad's the coach, and a lot of people say they play daddy ball, but and they really do because they give him the ball a lot. But he's going to torch us at least once. <laughs> it may not win, but he's he's going to get his points in. So, uh, twenty three and eight, and the 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 NCAA tournament's really the hardest part. Um, I'm torn between Sweet 16 and Elite 8. I'm going to give us one or the other simply because, and I, I want you guys to know this, it's simply because I'm a fan, and this is my favorite team, and this, again, wishful thinking, I'm going to say we make it to the Elite 8. We get booted from the Elite 8. I have high expectations, high hopes for this team. 23-8, and eight, lots of 8s. 23-8, leaving the Elite 8. I think that's Carolina's season. So for me, it's definitely wishful thinking. Uh, I I believe Carolina Blue, and it's like I said earlier. It's so it's so weird how uh, I, how much alike me and James are. I initially in my head the very when I said okay thirty one games I said twenty three and eight. That's the I promise you that's the first thing that came to my head, and then I said but I wrote down twenty four seven. As well. And it's definitely 100% wishful thinking. We don't know. We have no clue. We don't know how these players are going to jail. Uh, but I'm, we have a lot of talent. I, you know, it's so weird that every year we are always in the top ten, a lot of times in the top five, and it's never warranted. It's always we're all, you know, it always bites us in the high, high end every year, and it's just because we're Carolina that we get this ranking. And you know, and I'm always like, we we ain't, you know, looking at the town. I, I knew we're not the top five team or top ten team, but this year we've got us. I think James said at 19, and I'm like, what 19? Uh, I'm really happy with the talent that we've got, and. Uh, and like I said, I'm being optimistic, and uh, but I'm gonna say twenty four and seven, and we're gonna win it all, baby. We're gonna tell you, we're gonna win the championship. We're gonna we're gonna shock the world. Hubert Davis is gonna win AV Coach of the Year, and I think Love Baycott's gonna be Player of the Year, and we're gonna shock the world. and We're gonna win this championship, baby. All right, definitely a lot of wishful thinking coming in the last topic of. <laughs> The, the little bit here. I tried to make mine a little more realistic with the uh, tournament. But, I mean, it's possible. It's po- I mean, if Caleb Love is what he's supposed to be, Baycott did what he did last year, and all these recruits, especially Dawson Garcia, perform up to the expectation that they're supposed to, and R.J. Davis as well. Um, I think this team has a shot to win it all. They may or may not, but I think they have the talent warning to do so. So that's all our questions for today. I think that's it, unless you have anything else you want to add, sir. No, that's it. Uh, just uh, enjoyed doing the podcast with you, and uh, go Tar Heels. All right, go Tar Heels. That's it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think about the record predictions, if you got any of your own, and we'll see you next time.